0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is a brand new episode of the Off Topical Podcast. You said it wouldn't happen, but I knew it would one day. Uh, with me today, I have my friend Wolfgang. How's it going, Wolfgang?
1: Hey, Gartner. Yeah, it's going pretty good. Thank you for having me.
0: Dude, you're welcome. I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to do this today. It's, uh, there was a lot of things that kind of came up that I thought maybe wouldn't let this happen today, but you know what? We're doing it. We're yeah. here. We're ready to go.
1: Against all the odds. <laughs>
0: And uh, before we get into the show, I wanted to take a moment and thank today's sponsor, Linode. Yeah, that's right. We have a sponsor now. Linode started in 2003 as one of the first cloud computing uh, companies in the space, uh, three years before AWS and other enterprise providers. Linode provides virtual servers that make it easy and affordable for you to host anything in the cloud. Building your own website? Most entry-level hosting services are fine for a while, but if you want to be in control, do what you want, and actually own your website, Linode is your step up to powerful, totally customizable cloud hosting. So whether you're into gaming, stuck on a proprietary website builder, or just need to put something on the cloud and access it anywhere in the world, Linode is there for you. Every plan comes with Linode's amazing, human-powered customer support. If you need help, someone will pick up the phone respond to your email, or reply to you on socials 24-7-365. If it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. Off-Topical listeners get a special deal from Linode, $100 60-day credit on new Linode accounts. Get started now by visiting linode.com slash off-topical to get your $100 credit today. And thanks again to Linode for sponsoring this episode.
1: Uh, so today, what, what
0: are we going to be talking
1: about, Wolfgang? We have a lot of Huawei like talking points today don't we <laughs>
0: yeah we do uh the uh the Huawei uh i don't know how to pronounce it huawei disinformation campaign did you hear about this this is like crazy uh yeah it's, got, uh, it's wild <laughs> yeah they've got the the basically the uh, representatives from Huawei are like do, doing this campaign against like the bulgarian government because belgian the government the belgian i said bulgarian yeah yeah it's the europe belgian. is all
1: one place you know it's very confusing <laughs>
0: right yeah you know africa is a country um, <laughs> true but uh belgium has uh regulations in place against uh huawei and uh in- infrastructure being used in the development of their 5g network right uh you know and personally i think that's a good thing what do you think about that
1: Um, I'm kind of split on that because I didn't, you know, see, I didn't read enough on the whole Huawei 5G, like, situation. From what I heard, basically, America, American government banned all the American companies from, like, working with Huawei uh, without having a special, uh, what do you call it, like, a special Mm. order thingy? License, exactly, thank you. Yeah. And... Yeah, some some research discovered that Huawei um, is like, they're in a, okay, you, you could say that they're working together with the Chinese government, with the Chinese, like, uh, you know, ruling party, and that they're doing something sketchy with the security equipment, with the 5G equipment. And since, since Huawei's 5G equipment is used pretty much everywhere, they're like one of the leading vendors for all the 5G, you know, towers, 5G equipment. This is kind of opening opening up like a potential like security, I mean, attack surface. You could say where basically every city and every company that deploys five G on premises or elsewhere, there would be sort of they would have their their um their infrastructure would have those you know exploits from Huawei, uh, in them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, it's like you know with this kind of equipment even if there if there doesn't exist a backdoor in it, just the fact that, like, uh, currently, like you know what I'm saying? Like, even if there's not a backdoor currently, I think, like, uh, the fact that, like, Huawei is owned by the Chinese Party, like, the Chinese Communist Party, virtually, it virtually guarantees that there will eventually be some kind of backdoor. Uh, there has to be. I mean, I, I just can't see it as any other way, you know? So, for me, it's like... Uh, it's kind of i think it's a good thing that uh western companies are or western countries are like passing legislation against uh you know including critical infrastructure that's made by these chinese companies that are owned by the communist party i mean and the fact is huawei knows that that these uh nations are doing this so they hired a lawyer to pen an article criticizing the regulations that have been put in in place here and uh what's crazy about this though is that there have been a couple of um uh, people who have found out that huawei is using social media to uh to like prop up this article that's critical and, and like spread this uh you know article out into the world so uh, at least 14 academic industry professionals and experts shared this article across Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is that they are actually sock puppet accounts. And uh, Huawei officials in Europe actually retweeted these fake accounts. And oh, so God. did Kevin Liu, Huawei's Twitter verified president. Uh, and it's like uh, our president of public affairs In Western Europe and it's like he had a following of 1.1 million people so it wouldn't have been it would have been one thing if like this real dude had like tweeted out this article but like Huawei used like these fake accounts and a lot of them had actually been like uh, sock puppeted with AI uh, generated faces uh, profile pictures uh, AI generated like uh, content on their accounts and then they also posted this article which then wally representatives retweeted to give it a more uh, of a look of authenticity i don't know what it's just crazy to me what do you think about that man
1: yeah uh, it's it's really wild like the fact that first of all this brussels-based lawyer basically risked his license because he's going to lose his bar license over that if i'm not mistaken right Mm. And they must have paid paid him a lot of money, right? Like, so for him, like to actually risk his entire career and his life. I mean, work, I guess. It's 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 crazy, yeah. and just like just the fact that they went to so much, they they just they just went to so much trouble uh, to to kind of like make those to, to you yeah, know what was the was the word that I'm looking for. Uh, to actually they operate went those, all the trouble. yeah, they went yeah, through they all went this trouble through. to like uh, operate those, to create and operate those sock puppet accounts. It's just crazy, and yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't exactly know whose idea that was, but like, wh- wh- like from where I'm seeing it, it, it wasn't worth it, and it would have been discovered eventually, no matter like how uh, how big of an how big an authority is the you know the guy the person who's uh, spreading. the fake news basically
0: right yeah and it's like you know part of me is like i i I do feel bad for this lawyer who who's going to lose his license but at the same time he accepted payment for for writing this article yeah from huawei and it's like you know and he's i i I guess this guy had a reputation of being like uh anti uh regulation um but it's it's like I believe I read that, but it's still, it's like, you know, are you anti-regulation or are you just selling your opinion to the highest bidder?
1: Exactly. Like, that's the
0: thing that drives me nuts. You know, it's like you could have, you know, maintain this guy could have like had a reputation, uh, but he was just willing to sell it. And I, I think that that's like kind of the grossest thing about all this. Like, yeah. I mean, like you said, like fake uh, profiles on Twitter and stuff. It's like, yeah, people were going to find that out probably. Um, but like, I can't, I can't fathom that someone that smart, you know, someone who went to law school wouldn't realize that that was risking his career. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I
1: guess he did, but he still somehow thought that people are never going to find it out. And there's yeah. like the one more aspect that I want to talk about is just like the fact that these kind of, uh, these cases, these kind of, uh, I don't know, like the, the things that go viral that way. When a certain publication or a scientific article turns out to be complete fake, they they pretty much uh, they really hurt uh, just the overall like scientific world and the role of like the authority of, of of science among like you know average Joe people who you know who don't necessarily know all that much about science who just you know they would they would see an article and uh, the more we, the more of those cases we have where science and just in general like scientific articles and everything that is associated with like science is weaponized to push some kind of a i wouldn't say agenda in here but push basically to shill for a certain company
0: yeah
1: uh, the more like the more disenfranchised it becomes and the less you know the less trust people have in the whole science because you know if, if i read something that claims to be a scientific article how do i know it's not fake how do i know it's not you know, uh, be it's not being written to be weaponized against or for a certain company.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's like a, a problem that's like been more and more prevalent lately, too, where it's like, uh, I, I believe I read an article a couple of months ago about how there, you know, fewer and fewer papers are actually being peer reviewed before they're published, too, because there's such a glut of like, Rush to press publication you know of, of like scientific papers, and so it 's like when you live in a, a world where there 's so much information and so little fact checking and and you know I, I think you 're kind of naive to not be skeptical of things. you know what i 'm saying
1: yeah, exactly it kind of uh, kind of also rings true for for fact checking as well because you know recently there 's been like a lot of fact checking websites. And at the same time, a lot of people are, like, coming forward and they're saying, yeah, fact-checking, like, has become political, and, like, you know, you shouldn't believe the fact-checking anymore. And and in some cases, it goes to extremes where people just refuse to believe science altogether, and they Mm -hmm. go, yeah, all science is basically bought out, it's, like, it serves a political agenda and like the fact that um those fake scientific articles or just poorly poorly written ones they discredit science and make people basically disregard all the, like the science altogether even the good sides of it this is very dangerous i find
0: yeah i agree completely um, I, I yeah it's, and you know we we like i said i mean we live in a world of uh, it just seems like there's so much disinformation now right and it's like uh, companies like this are posting all of their their articles and creating fake posts on these on these platforms and and then you know the company's executives are are pushing uh these fake posts to try and like bolster the credibility of uh of the things that they 're sharing and uh, like I don't know. Like, do you have any ideas of like what can be done to like address this? I mean, I you know I, I kicked the I kicked the hornet's nest a couple of weeks ago when I I made a video. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, where I had a couple ideas of what can be done for this. But I'm, I'm interested in like, what do you think should be done about uh, about like disinformation on the internet?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a it's a very you know, complicated topic, and the fact that yeah. the the so called big tech, you know, quote unquote, still hasn't mm-hmm. solved the problem, it says something. You know, us two are probably not going to solve it. Like you know, uh, <laughs> during <laughs> this podcast, obviously. Oh
0: come on! Yeah, you don't think we can solve this problem, dude? Come on!
1: Yeah, I'm just, maybe I'm being a little bit too modest here, but yeah, I don't quite (laughs) think we will manage that like over the course of one hour or something. But yeah, it's complicated. And like on one hand, you don't want to just censor stuff that is like, that is disinformation. Like you don't want to just flat out delete everything that, you know, somehow seems to you like disinformation because then there is like this you know this dilemma of you know who watches the watchman right who decides right. what's this information and what's not because obviously if i say i don't know like earth is flat or or if i say you know 2 plus 2 equals 5 that's a clear cut disinformation you know it has been proven wrong it's it's not true right and it can be dangerous in some cases, I mean obviously not yeah. not when I say two plus two equals five, but you get the point but then there are like there are cases where it's not as it's not as clear cut as you would think, and yeah like the this you know like this fringe between um disinformation and just Kind of twisting the fact to serve your like opinion or I don't know agenda. Mm, yeah. It's it's not as clear and yeah I guess I guess like if you do get a quote unquote censored well or should, should we say just your your post or your tweet is deleted because you have violated the TOS or something like that. You can obviously make this point like I'm being silenced for for just saying the facts or, or something like that. A lot of people have done it i'm not gonna point any fingers but <laughs> we we see that very often on social media
0: yeah yeah it's it's tough it's a tough uh problem to, to face because on the one hand you do want people to be able to say what's on their mind and to be able to have like uh good faith arguments right like you know if i mean if you believe that the earth is flat then then i mean you're wrong but at the same time like should you be censored for saying that i i don't think that you should um like but i also like find that for me like i like to reserve the na- like the word censorship for like the truly egregious violation of free speech which would be like if your government decides you cannot say this that and the other thing right cuz like mm-hmm you know, if you signed a, if, if you have signed a terms of service, you have signed a, a uh, you know, if you click the, I agree button next to a terms of service, you have signed a contract with that company. And it's like, if you violate their, their rules, like every platform has rules and whether they enforce them equally or not, I guess that's up for debate. But like the, the problem that I have is like, who actually gets to decide what's authoritative and what's true. And, 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 that's a problem that a lot of people have on both sides of this issue, right?
1: Uh, I personally don't think that the definition of censorship that you know you use is entirely correct because when people say, "Yeah, when Twitter del- when Twitter deletes your tweets because you're, you're you know you're violating the TOS," it's not censorship because it doesn't come from the government. So, like the censorship by definition is something that comes from the government. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I feel like if you take those platforms like Twitter and Facebook, the, the really big platforms with like a huge I don't know, amount of people that use them, I mean, you you can't like in some cases where they take they, they take up liberty to arbitrarily delete people's posts. I wouldn't say all of those cases is censorship because, you know, censorship is the word that is overused a lot these days, you know, just, you know, mm-hmm. you, would, you would post, I don't know, you would post like a, a racial slur on Twitter, Twitter deletes it, and then you go like, I'm being silenced, it's literally 1984, oh my God, what is happening, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like that's overused in a lot of cases, but then at the same time, there's this very uncomfortable reality of a huge platform that is used by a lot of people, and there, and then this platform, you know, the people who run this platform, get to decide what flies and what doesn't fly on their platform. Mm-hmm. And like, even though in a lot of cases, you know, the ban, ha- the use, the usage of the ban hammer is justified. I feel like, yeah, that's that, that's like something that we really need to th- think about, and just to kind of internalize it, the fact that what you are allowed to say in a public like forum and what you're not allowed to say is often not like like for government to decide these days but like for those big platforms
0: yeah no i agree and uh, like I, here's the thing the, like, people say censorship all the time and i hear like orwellian and like something something described as like like 1984 like orwellian
1: right oh yeah
0: <laughs> but my question is like Orwellian often like describes like the concept of like Big Brother and like wh- you know who watches the watchers like you mentioned mm-hmm. but like for me i think it's just as Orwellian for a platform like Facebook or Twitter to allow people to just parrot lies constantly so much so that pe- that other people start to believe those lies like that's just as uh, prevalent in 1984 now granted you know it's like the the authoritative lie that comes from like big brother or whatever but i think that like it seems just as orwellian to me that people can be parroting these lies and inculcating people into like the the these this cult of disinformation
1: yeah that's true like something that a lot of people don't realize is that the decision to like uh, not delete some i don't know some piece of misinformation or like a certain tweet is as political as a decision to delete it and yeah. i know that i've heard you know there's there's this like i don't know like in, there there's like a lot of inside information from those companies that that the facebook and twitter they're terrified of being seen as political or as like censorious is is that a word <laughs> like censorious i don't know i don't know yeah it's it's a word now it's a word now you've coined (laughs) it yeah yeah they're just terrified of being seen as those like censors and someone who's like banning people for speaking their mind or whatever so yeah often oftentimes they are very like they're very you know doubtful in certain cases whether to like delete or ban someone but at the same time. Whether you want to keep something on a platform or delete it, both of those decisions are political. Like you, you, you yes. can't, you, you can't just wishwash your way out of this. like, like right. by being, oh, I'm not, I don't want to be political. Like, and delete this because you will be. It's it's uh, right. inevitable.
0: Yeah, and the fact that these companies have like for years and years said like, oh well, we stand for free speech, we stand for free speech. When I mean, I don't necessarily believe that that was ever the case, right? Like, I, I said in one of my recent videos, like these guys have used it as marketing jargon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as a way as a way of like, oh yeah, yeah, come come to our platform and say whatever you want. But like in reality, that was never the case. But they've they've like kind of cornered themselves into this area where it's like you know they never actually stood for free speech they only the reason that they said that they did was because they just didn't want to moderate their their websites uh and uh you know section 203 or whatever of the uh uh, of the safe harbor provision or whatever it is but um uh, the, it's, it, it's never been like... I've always felt like that was disingenuous of them to say that. And even Valve have, have done that, right? Do you remember that game Hatred on Steam?
1: Not quite, no.
0: Uh, so Hatred was like a, a, a three-quarter top-down perspective uh, game and it was like it was it was just like ultra violent and like you would shoot people and they would s- like suffer before they died right it was like it was grotesque and it okay. was unnecessary and Valve was like well we're not going to delete that because we stand for free speech well in reality they just didn't want to take responsibility for yeah, yeah true going up on their platform mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff really bothers me it's like why why do these companies not why are they so averse to wanting to like actually make their platform a better place to be. And part of me thinks that it comes back to like the Apple thing, right? Like Apple is successful because their products are in most ways inferior, but because they are restricted in certain ways, that's what makes people feel like their products are better. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, like, apple is like oh yeah we're gonna remove a feature and we're gonna say and that's what makes us brave and then everyone's gonna go oh my goodness yes i love this idea and 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 that like gives like it it feeds into that elitism and uh so by having inferior products it actually like does thing like it manipulates the market in a way that brings people in and uh, i don't know I, don't, I just kind of lost my train of thought there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I know that this this opinion that, you know, Apple is removing features and like that's why they're popular is a popular opinion. But at the same time, you know, companies like Samsung and, you know, Xiaomi even, they would start out like start off by mocking Apple for removing stuff like, you know, a charger from the box or removing a, like 3.5 millimeter jack. But they will turn around and do the same because they'll be like, yeah. oh, look, look, Apple did this. So... Like first, we can get away with this, and second, it actually might make us more popular because we like Apple, but at the same time right. they're um they're kind of copying apple's disadvantages, like the limitations, the removed features, but they, they don't copy what makes Apple so popular um uh, I mean obviously there there are a lot of things that make people buy apple products it's, it's not just the the apple, it's not just the brand. I feel like because if it was just a brand, it would be just another you know elite niche company like Vertu. I don't know if you remember the Vertu right. phones. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> but like Apple products, they do have certain features that you would say. Probably, I mean, you could say that they're appealing to like tech literate people or like normies, quote unquote. But yeah. at the same time, most people are normies, and even like if you yeah, if yeah. you are like I don't know a C C programmer with like thirty years of experience. When you come home when you like open your personal laptop or your computer or I mean your your phone you take it from the pocket you don't want to be a admin again you don't want to come back to work by having to solve like like all of those problems like all those little problems that exist on like let's say Android phones for example you want mm-hmm. you want stuff to like just work you know just like Steve Jobs said you no know, it just works and obviously that's not entirely true anymore like apple devices don't just work in a lot of cases but at the same time i feel like for like normal normal people it's much easier to like make sense of ios because it's consistent like over the devices you know you you have like i don't know ios 6 and ios 14 the current version it's been more than 10 years but it, it it has kind of stayed the same ever since and on android even if you like take take a look at like the difference between the android skins like in in like within one version but between between like Xiaomi and let's say like Samsung or Huawei you're going to get lost like <laughs> there's just so many yeah. differences and it's like theoretically that's just one android version
0: right yeah i know and it, and i i definitely agree with that and i'm also like not trying to like crap on uh on apple because they have been. I mean, they're one of the most successful companies in the history of the world. And, you know, if it wasn't for the Librem 5, I probably would have ended up with an iPhone as my next phone. Like, I'm not even lying. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like they, they, I, they do limit their products, and they do it in a way that is meant to foster their elitism.
1: Yeah, like, I, guess, I, guess you, I guess you're right, Like, to some extent.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what we were even talking about anymore. Where, how did we get on this topic? <laughs> uh,
1: you know, Huawei dis- disinformation campaign and the whole like oh, right. social media free speech shenanigans.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, and with, with Huawei, uh, you know, uh, Biden, the Biden administration actually signaled that they're not planning on lifting that uh, the uh, Huawei restrictions that were put in place by the Trump administration. Did you hear about that?
1: Yeah, actually, they still pretty much Huawei is still not allowed to use Google apps and Google Play, right?
0: I I don't think they're allowed to.
1: Because mm-hmm. last yeah, I checked, um, they like you couldn't get Google Play or Google Google Store, all the other apps, like you know the con- with the conventional methods on Huawei devices.
0: Right. Yeah. So it looks like they're still not able to to use them, and uh, the reason that they're not is actually because. I think you mentioned it earlier uh, in order to uh, Huawei has and a couple other Chinese companies have actually been put it on a put on a restricted trade list. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, um, basically what that trade list does is it requires U.S. firms to obtain a license from the government if they want to sell American tech or intellectual property to companies on that list. Um, and uh, so uh, let's see here. What's her name?
1: Gina Raimondo
0: Gino Raimondo yeah so she's the nominee and during so during the nomination process Senate Republicans sent her written questions and she replied Uh, About uh, when she was asked about Huawei and being on the restricted trade list, she said, I understand that uh, parties are placed on the entity list and the military end user list generally because they pose a risk to U.S. national security or foreign uh, policy interests. And she said, I currently have no reason to believe that entities on those lists should not be there. If confirmed, I look forward to briefing on these entities and other concerns. And others of concern so uh yeah i mean it looks like uh huawei's there and they're going to stay there uh, and she said that she's also uh in lockstep with the secretary of state antony blinken um, when it comes to the prohibition of goods made with forced labor uh, so this is talking about like the is it the uyghur minority in china um
1: i mean i haven't heard any any information that specifically says that huawei is like utilizing the you know Uyghurs uh, labor camps, right? For for like to make phones and other tech, but at the same right. time, I do know that there are issues in China with like the labor rights, and it's been it's been like a topic, a hot topic, since a while. Just with like Apple's Foxconn um, right factories, like just basically employing people and keeping them in non-human conditions and. Paying them like what was it one dollar per per day or something like that. If yeah, but at the same time, something crazy. If the same at the same time, if they want to restrict like companies from using forced labor, well, <laughs> they'll have to pretty much like exclude every tech company out there because they're all like yeah. utilizing this kind of like cheap uh, labor from China and other countries.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah, it's it's kind of uh, scary that like people are so accustomed to like the cheap uh, manufacturing of like China that they're willing to look the other way. A lot of people are when it comes to uh, these issues. Like uh, personally, I I think like, I don't know. I I wish that it was like easier for end users for, I, I don't like the term consumers, but I wish that it was easier for consumers to know like the the uh, manufacturing chain to know like oh this was made in a in a factory that uses like forced labor i'm not going to buy it but like i feel like we're in the dark about that a lot of the time and it's hard to make ethical decisions with your purchases uh when you don't have that kind of information available to you you know
1: exactly and then there's there's also this line between you know forced labor like you know outright slavery where people are held, handed like cuffs and i don't know chained to like a yeah. i don't know to like a to a lamppost and just are, are forced to work basically and then there's just kind of like crappy conditions like no toilet breaks um yeah. like just very, very like unsanitary working conditions, bad pay, no health insurance, all that. But then at the same time, you know, if if you kind of apply those, um, if you if like if you apply this framework and you know those requirements, then you can pretty much just like close Amazon <laughs> because I know. Yeah, you conditioning... were saying like
0: you know not allowed to have bathroom breaks, and I'm like, so working for Amazon? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. It's just the, the 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 stuff that like Amazon drivers have to go through is insane.
0: Oh yeah, uh, speaking of, <laughs> uh did you hear about the uh, uh AI equipped cameras that are being added to uh, their delivery vans?
1: Yes, that's uh, that is um truly orwellian if you may (laughs) for real i mean like i i don't like this term being overused as we already discussed but if there was if there was like one case where you could use the term orwellian and not exaggerate this is it like (laughs) of
0: course absolutely but i'm an ai skeptic i don't know about you I, i think that like it's a cool technology but like for every funny meme and like tiktok filter i think there's like this like looming possibility of things going horribly wrong for like, like like this, for example, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I see what you mean. And like, personally, I'm constantly oscillating between, Oh my God, we're all going to die. It's going to be Skynet, (laughs) just like in the Terminator movies. And like AI is a marketing gimmick. And it's just like, basically people, especially like, you know, those managers and like product managers, I guess you could say they would, they would, <clears throat> Excuse me. So like project managers and at IT companies they would constantly try to like sell something as AI, like revolutionary technology, like in computer intelligence and whatever, but at the end it's just like a bunch of ifs, you know, and like regular expressions. Yeah. So like um I, I just I have those like two opinions about AI simultaneously in my head, and I just I don't know like which one I actually believe in more. Right. But I think that AI is both, you know, risky and like it's it's a, it's a dangerous thing and just like in a, in the future it could get pretty dangerous, but at the same time I feel like currently AI is just like a marketing gimmick.
0: Right. I mean like like uh the thing like it's it's impressive like with like neural networks like being able to I don't know if you saw that um uh, there was, like, a scene from The Office that, like, an H3HD fan was, like, put Ethan Niela's face on Kevin and another character. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but it was, like, really impressive. It was, like, one of the most impressive deepfakes I would ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it's, uh-huh. like, it was, like, crazy good. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, it even, like, captured, like, perfect eye movements and everything. Um, and I was, like, dang. But the fact is, like using neural networks for like determining what people are doing. You you know, it's like I don't know. Amazon is such a rich company and they're like they're so impervious to bad press and like they're unafraid of moral bankruptcy. And they're but they're and they're just sticking these cameras in contractors' vehicles. Right? These are contractors, right? Like these aren't even like employees. And it's like the reason why are they doing this, right?
1: Well because you know Sorry, sorry for interrupting you. No, go like, for it. Yeah, they're not employees because, you know, you would have to actually, like, pay them living wage, pay for their health yeah. insurance. So that's why they're contractors. <laughs> like. Right. But the fact and, that they're know, still slapping those cameras in there, this is insane.
0: Right. And the fact that, like, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're putting these cameras in there to squeeze every ounce of humanity out of, like, these workers who are, you know, prone to slacking off or even, you know, taking a break once in a while.
1: Oh, terrible. That's like.
0: Uh, I don't know, Deborah. Deborah, I don't know, base. Deborah base, maybe. Uh, she's an Amazon spokesperson. Told CNBC that the company has begun this program across its entire fleet, and she said. Uh, Quote, we are investing in safety across our operations and recently started rolling out industry-leading camera-based safety technologies across the entire fleet. Oh, oh, they're doing it for for safety. Forget everything I just said.
1: Yeah, safety. Safety argument. Never heard that one before. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> national security.
1: <laughs> yeah, just imagine, like, you're, you decided to, like, take a break and, like, I don't know, eat a sandwich between, between deliveries, and then you just, like, from your wagon, you're hearing... Worker number 2.5, come back to your like, to your labor. Uh, wh- wh- how do you say it? Wait. Come back to your vehicle immediately to avoid penalty. Yeah. You have 10 seconds. You will seconds. be docked pay.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, oh, my gosh. 20 seconds it's until terrifying. demolition. Right. Yeah. Imagine being like not the contractor and hearing that and then going, hey, that sounds like a great advertisement for Amazon. I'm going to go buy something.
1: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to like uh, uh, buy their prime subscription for sure. Yeah. Yep.
0: Ugh, Amazon. I honestly there was a time like uh there was a moment where like I hadn't bought anything from Amazon in like 2 years. Uh and then I had to like buy something and I don't remember what it was. It might have been like an SSD or something. And I could have got it from Newegg. But shipping was, like, two weeks, and it was also $50 more expensive yep. for the same item. And I was like, oh, I cannot, I, I, you know. And that's the problem that we face, is it's like, they are yeah. just too good at what they do. Exactly. And it's scary.
1: And at the same time, like, people don't realize, maybe they do realize, but they don't care, that, like, those, you know, the fact that it's safer, it's it's not because Amazon is, like, a, a good guy, and that they're they're just basically working, uh, like basically like making a loss to, to be like a good company and to try to like get more customers. They're cutting corners into places where I think a company shouldn't cut corners, just out of like basic human decency, and mm-hmm. like as we discussed, just like these you know worker con- conditions. And just the, the kind of, you know, working tempo and the health insurance, like, that they don't provide for some workers. So, like, that that's the price you have to pay in order to get, like, your, I don't know, your purchase a bit che- cheaper. Maybe, like, $2 cheaper. I mean, in some cases, as you said, it, it, it can be $50 cheaper. But at the same time, yeah. they also have this very, like, very, I don't know, laissez-faire, you could say, return policy to where, like... You can even return, like, an item already opened, already used or worn, and they wouldn't really check, right? Yeah. So a lot of people, like, when they come back, when they have to come back to, like, you know, your normal companies that, you know, don't operate at, like, a huge revenue, like Amazon does, they're kind of, like, frustrated because, oh, like, oh, my shipping, like, the shipping takes not one day but, like, three days or, like, even a week sometimes. Ugh. And also, if I don't like something... And, and I have to return it. They actually have to check if it still works, and they have right. to check if it's the, the same condition. Oh, it's so annoying. I am just gonna go back to Amazon, you know. Yep,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's the that's a, that's the thing. I, you know, one of the things that I ordered from Amazon and then I ended up returning it was a uh, a uh, uh, analog video capture device, right? Analog, and yeah, like it had uh, like it, it had uh, like a composite, uh, no, a component, no.
1: The S-video thingy?
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So, like, S-video and, like, the yellow RCA composite. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, I bought this thing. It didn't work. Um, And it had a uh, Toslink audio input cable, and it had a, uh, like, infrared remote that you could use to, like, switch between the different inputs on the thing. Okay. So, so, um, I packed the thing back up i sent it back to amazon and then i realized that like i had already taken the Toslink cable and put it in my box with other cable uh, in my desk with other cables and i had and i forgot to include the uh remote to send it back with them they didn't like they didn't even care like they just refunded me the entire thing even though it was missing two of the things that came with the device yeah and that's what i'm like,
1: saying exactly it's
0: nuts i like how can they make money that way uh, it's, it's the economy of scale
1: you know <laughs> something even like more wild happened to me i basically ordered a micro I mean, a mini hdmi to hdmi cable and then like when it came i discovered that actually my cam- camera has a micro hdmi input and not mini hdmi mm. so i wanted to return the cable so i clicked like you know they they asked like why do you want to return it and you just clicked the item is like not compatible or you know doesn't work for the intended purpose and then they were like here's a refund keep the item don't send it back we don't care <laughs> <laughs> that was like an amazon basics cable to, yeah
0: yeah it's just not worth money to like re like to ship it back and then restock it right yeah exactly that's crazy yeah amazon uh, i just like wow It's yeah so we fixed the problem with disinformation on the internet let's fix the amazon problem now
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> that that's definitely easier than you know than trying to make sense of what's like Orwellian and what's not on the on the social right. media's. <laughs> uh,
0: personally, I think like having a vertical monopoly, like Amazon is trying to build when it's when it comes to like shipping and you know uh, warehousing and having the the front end like for the, on their store or whatever. I don't think a company should be allowed to have a, like a vertical monopoly like that. Yeah, like exactly. Walmart was doing that too. Like Walmart has like distribution and they have uh, warehousing and they have the storefronts and it's like I don't think that that's a, a fiscally responsible thing to allow. It's not prudent <laughs> to the mm, consumer yeah. to allow that.
1: There, there, there was the talk of breaking up, breaking up Google, right? Like, I think Brian yeah. Lundick mentioned at some point that, you know, we need to break up Google and just a lot of people in general were talking, like, along those lines. But, like, did something come, come came like did something come out of it? Because I remember that they now have Alphabet, which does everything that Google did, and they have Google, which does, like, one thing. I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. But, like, nothing fundamentally changed, right? They just changed, changed the name, basically.
0: So uh, I'm pretty sure that Larry Page and Sergey Brin just founded another company and then bought Google from themselves by that, with that company. <laughs> oh so there God. wasn't even, like – it wasn't even, like, a, you know, like, an FEC, uh, like, enforcement thing. Like, they weren't – they were not broken up. Like, Alphabet just bought the company from themselves, like, which mm-hmm. is bananas to me. Um, yeah, it's but just – I mean Google and Amazon and Facebook and all these other companies need to be broken up. And I I won't apologize for whole for, for believing that. Like I really like they're it's not responsible uh to allow these companies to to be so massive and have so much influence and be able to like you know like just spy on everything you do for every waking moment of your life you know it doesn't matter if yeah. you're on the clock working as an Amazon contractor and they have AI equipped cameras in the back of your van it doesn't matter if you're you know uh, an android user and google's spying on you all the time like these companies should not be able to do that and 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 i think that there's like too much of a profit incentive for them to do it as well like i don't think it's enough to just break up these companies i think like there should be some kind of like um like fine like an an incre- a crazy steep fine that would f- like financially disincentivize these companies from like acquiring and and holding on to your data right like let's mm-hmm. say let's say that you have um uh let's say that you are you know you're a company and you have um like a data breach, right? I think that if you have if you're a, a company and you have a data breach like on on a massive scale like Equifax, you should be fined out of existence, right? Like I don't know if you've heard about the Equifax thing, oh, but yeah. it was like
1: yes, I did. It's dude, you know, it was,
0: <laughs> It's crazy to me that this company is still allowed to exist when you know so many people had their information like very sensitive information leaked and it's like there should be so much financial disincentive to to be storing holding on to and storing this kind this this magnitude of personal information that it's just not worth it for these companies to risk spying on you all the time
1: exactly and i know that like a lot of people would at this point they would say well we shouldn't we shouldn't like slap them with the fine we should just let people decide and you know. The hand of the market will basically put the Equifax out of existence, but at the same time, whether like whereas that might be true with you know consumer companies like Google and Facebook, and, and it's not. I, I may am I may, I may elaborate on that like later, but whatever. Equifax, this is not like the kind of a company that you choose to give your data over to. As, right. as far as I know, they were they were just basically <clears throat> sorry. Uh, as far as I know, they, they were just processing data from, like, a lot of banks. And so yeah. if you're using, like, a popular bank, if you're a customer of, like, I don't know, Bank of America, let's say. I don't know if F- Equifax was working with Bank of America, but let's let's assume it does for, for a second. You, yeah. you don't choose to give you data to Equifax. Your bank does. And, yes, of course, you could read, like, the, I don't know, 120 pages contract written in small, like, <laughs> fonts, to see that, uh, yeah, we're using a third-party uh, partner, Equifax, for processing the data. Oh, like, a lot of times you don't really have a choice. That's what I'm trying to right. say.
0: Yeah, no, you, I agree. And and the fact is, like, the hand of the market is how we got into this situation that we're in already. True. Right? Like people, Like, people <clears throat> don't worry about, like, where their phone was manufactured and what conditions the people who made that phone were working in. People don't worry about, like, uh, if the 5G infrastructure has been infiltrated by the Chinese Communist Party. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why we have... Uh, regulations and why we have uh, government that that is effective, or it's at least that's the concept behind having a government that actually works. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's crazy to me to think, oh, well, we should just let people decide, like, what programs they want to use, or like, what websites they want to use, and and if they don't like the surveillance, they can just uh, no, it's like, dude, if you go out into public and someone has an Android phone, like it's listening to what you're saying. You know, if you, if you go out into, uh, to a store that has like uh, a a new, um, what do they call it? A surveillance system in that store, they're doing like facial recognition on you.
1: You know what I'm saying? And
0: like, it's like, it's not enough to just say oh let let it be you know just let it be and see what happens no we're we're at a point now where we can't just where we can't afford that kind of naive social uh whatever you want to call it like social whateverism
1: <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like if people have to consent to like using a certain product it has to be an educated consent and like yep. no matter how how long like you want to talk about how oh we have to educate people they're just willingfully ignorant tech illiterate normies and like they deserve being spied on or whatever i feel like that's a pretty cynical approach and at the same time you don't expect every person on the planet to know everything about everything you know i shouldn't be a phd of like computer science to have a right like not to be spied on right so like at the same time about the whole like legislation thing, I'm not sure if I know you know enough about like, you know, economic, uh, you know, economics and like, you know, the political legislations and like business law, because like a lot of times some laws and, and like regulations that uh, have like, you know, a good aim in mind, they have like a good cause. They tend to actually like make things worse. I mean, that's kind of an it obvious can, yeah. thing, but yeah, like I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with, with with saying I want those companies broken up, broken up, because uh, at the same time it, it could introduce a much worse,
0: um, a much worse vacuum.
1: consequences. Yeah, exactly for like the end yeah. users and consumers.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing It's like you you know I can sit here as an armchair uh, you know Congress or whatever and try and say oh yeah like uh, I I I think I have the all the answers. Um, but that's why we elect people who hopefully are smarter than we are, or at least are capable of like weighing those options. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, I know everything and, and I've I have already fixed all the problems of the world inside my head. And yeah. everyone should listen to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you're not alone in that.
0: Um, all right, so I feel like this has been a good episode. I, got, I have a question here from Jackson on Twitter. Uh, Jackson asked, for general consumers, what do you believe is the best option for a privacy-respecting phone? This goes in line with what we've been talking about. Linux phones, like the Purism Librem 5, or ASOP, like Graphene, or uh, Calyx OS, which I've, I don't even heard of Calyx OS, or an iPhone disconnected from iCloud. What do you think?
1: Um... So personally, this is going to rile up a lot of people, but I feel like iPhone is a good option. Like basically, yeah. if, if it would compare, you know, stock Android on like Samsung and Xiaomi and even like Google phones and stock iPhone, iPhones are generally better for privacy and security for like a normal user. Yes. The reason why is because there was this um, scientific study, I don't, I don't know if you could call an article or like a study... That basically captured all the packets from Android, like from an Android device, and then from an iPhone device. And it, mm-hmm. like, if I'm not wrong, basically Android phones home like ten or hundred times more than like iPhone does in its stock condition. And like, if yeah. you, at the same time, if you like, you know, leave the whole privacy subject and, and like, if you talk about like security, uh, Apple devices also have full disk encryption by default, which Android. They do have that as well. Uh, I believe it depends on the vendor, right? Exactly. Yes.
0: Yeah. The key word here is for general consumers, right? Like that's the key here for general consumers, uh, graphene OS and whatever else, like that's not something that like a normal person is going to know how to flash onto a phone. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. iPhone, even if it's connected to iPhone, iCloud, iPhones are still like, I I, I know I I read the article that you're talking about like the iPhone like like called home like four times a day and an Android phone. It was like uh, I think it was like five times an hour, right? Uh, Like pinging like sending like your location data back to the service and yeah, four times a day is still uh, pretty invasive in my opinion. Uh, But like the fact that like, you know, you could be at home or at work like. You know, your iPhone's going to know, oh, he went to work and then came home versus Android knowing he went to the bathroom at 2.10 p.m. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that's the difference. And uh, um, as far as, like, Linux phones are concerned, um, I think uh, they're not there yet. But yeah. at the same time, like... Dude, the the rapid progress of the Librem 5 has been astounding to watch. Like, I mean, I have five... I have four Librem 5 sitting on my desk. I have five of them. (laughs) (laughs) They've sent me a bunch to, like, actually... uh, to to review for my channel. And it's, like, uh, just the hardware iterations and the software iterations have, like, been uh, uh, explosive. And so, like, the idea of of like pure OS getting to a point where you don't have to be a Linux expert in order to just use this device. I think it's like not that unreasonable to think that that's going to be the case in a couple years, but then you're contending with like the availability of apps and services that people are already looking for, you know, or come to expect on their phone. So it's a, it's a hard question. It's like, should someone use an iPhone or a dumb phone? <laughs> like, that's really like, if you, yeah. if a general consumer is concerned about their privacy, they have two options, iPhones or dumb phones.
1: Exactly. Yes. Uh, Linux phones. I do feel like, like you said, they're making like, they, they've they been, they've, they've, they've come very far, I guess that you could say that. Like, since, like, the past, like, year or, like, since I'm following Librem and, like, Pine Pine Phone as well. Yeah. But they're not ready for primetime and they're probably not going to be ready for prime time in in the foreseeable future, especially for for your, like, average Joe consumer.
0: Yeah, I have a Pine Phone here, too. I have Manjaro uh, on it and uh, it's really nice. Uh, There's a lot of things that I like about it, but, like, the build quality is, like, a cheap... Uh, like Android phone for like 10 bucks that you'd get from like track phone at Walmart, you know? Yeah, it's I like, see. I mean, it's, it's probably a step up from that, but it's still like nowhere near the same build quality as like a Librem five. Um, but, but yeah, it's like, and, and, and also like the, from what I understand, the pine phone is meant as like a development thing more than anything else at this point. Um, maybe in the future, like pure OS, and Manjaro on a on a uh, PinePhone will be uh, at a point where they you know they have the battery life, they have the uh, the privacy, they have like at least PWAs and stuff that can kind of help people muddle through in the services that they want. True. Um,
1: There's yeah. also one thing I wanted I to mention. Uh, it's the yeah. I don't know if you heard about them. The you know the Apple's nut- nutritional labels for like privacy in the App Store this is like oh, i haven't s- yeah, exactly so they're like with the new version i think 14.5 uh, they want to introduce those uh, so-called nutritional labels for privacy which are basically like very very simple like explanations of what like what a certain app would know about you and what kind of info it would c- it would collect about you and where uh-huh. this info <laughs> would go yeah and as you imagine facebook is is very angry they're not happy yeah. about it at all so Facebook has been like, kind of like posting very emotional like statements, being like, "Oh, Apple is hurting the business, like the small guy, the small business, with their like, uh, uh, I don't want to say Orwellian <laughs> because it's a running gag at this point, but with their like authoritarian like, uh, yeah, le- like legislations that like would basically." Um, they will basically cripple the businesses and like won't, won't allow them to spy on users or whatever. So basically right. like their their like point is that Apple, Apple will tell people in like very simple language what Facebook is doing with their data and people are not going to like it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the nice thing about the Libra 5, actually, this is an idea that I think Apple might've been inspired by uh, the PureOS uh, store. Um, PureOS tells you like, uh, what kind of uh, permissions the app will need when it's installed. Um, and, uh, th- like, the idea that... I mean, I just looked it up, and this it looks really nice. I mean, this is the kind of thing that I want from, like, an Android device, from, like, uh, the Play Store or something. Don't they already uh-huh. have that? Do they? I don't know. I, I don't use the Play Store that often. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this is... It's something that is, like, really important, and uh, and it's nice to see it, even if it's, like you know i part of me feels like it's it's just marketing speak at the true yeah yeah that's true but at least apple like is invested in like letting you know that they care you know what i'm saying like quote unquote they care
1: i see yeah Um, they're kind of like trying to oppose google because google is seen as this like privacy invasive company and like apple is basically like the, the the champion of privacy and they want you to like. they want your data to be secure they want you to be private blah 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 yeah exactly and I also noticed that you know if you take uh, the permission system in like Google Play and Android they're kind of being vague about it sometimes like you know they would just say this this app wants to have access to your internal storage so like yeah. a normal user would be like yeah okay sure it's fine but Apple goes like they'll be able to see all your pictures and like all your videos, and yeah. people were like, whoa, that's okay. No, I don't want that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like one of the reasons that like I think Apple is like better for your privacy. Uh, I won't say that they are good for your privacy, but they are <laughs> exactly. better by comparison than, uh, than, uh, than Google is.
1: Yeah. Um, the smaller evil.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Dude, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for being here, man
1: thanks for having me yeah this was great um
0: yeah dude if you if you guys out there want to hear more from wolfgang let us know because i i I want to get back into doing this show and uh i've had a lot of fun uh thank you for listening and we'll talk again
1: soon bye